Yes, sir. All right. Is that, did I turn it on? Or is this, we're good. All right. I don't know. It's way back there. I, it's, long, it's, it's a long way back there. <laughs> it's a long cord, amen. We'll just go with that. All right. We're excited about being here. When we were asked, it's awkward for me to have this role at Agape Baptist College where I have to go out and ask people, hey, can we come by your church and, and um, present our ministry? And so when I was looking at this, and I, I know you said what a place, but we were excited. My wife and I were excited to be in this church on our anniversary because the hookers uh, mean so much to us. Um, if, and I'm not a Timothy, but if I was, that's my Paul. And um, we're just excited about being here. So we'll move on. <laughs> Agape Baptist College is an exciting new ministry at Agape Baptist Church and boarding school. Now, Agape Boarding School was started in 1990 out in Stockton, California. Um, but boarding schools are not conducive to the laws in California. And so they ended up moving the ministry to Missouri. Uh, Pastor Clemenson was a retired highway patrol officer, and he was fostering children, and that's what gave him the desire to start a boarding school for wayward young men. Um, and so they moved to Stockton, Missouri. The school has flourished. It's gone all the way up to 160 students. That was a little crazy to handle 160 students. I remember at that time I was the principal, and it was, it was, it was really difficult. So we decided to shrink the number and we, we sit right now about 120. Right now, currently, there's 107 students. It's summertime. Wait to the first report cards and the enrollment will go back up. Um, you know, parents, you know. So, but we're excited. But a lot of times, and when Brother Hooker was up at Howells Anderson, we sent a lot of students to different Bible colleges throughout the nation. And the young men, to be honest with you, just weren't prepared for Bible college. I know um, we look at Bible college. When I went to Bible college, I looked at it like, Wow, this is restrictive. Uh, there's a lot of rules, and you got to check out to do this, and you got to do that. And I had gone to a secular college, and it, it was the exact. But young men that come from a boarding school where there's mag locks on the door, and they're 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 uh, under a lot more rules. It's a lot of freedom. They're not spiritually mature enough yet, and they weren't ready to handle it. So the original idea was to start an institute, one or two years, and then the young men would uh, mature and then go off to Bible college to finish their degree. And that was the original concept of the Bible college there at Agape Baptist College, or Agape Baptist Church, rather. But here we are in a very small town of 1,800 people. And it just so happened, um, Dr. Daryl Moore moved there, and he got inspired, and he inspired Pastor Clemenson, and the two of them got together. And you would not believe the facility they bought two miles off the campus. It's seven acres. And it's, I don't know the exact square footage, but it's a 150,000 square foot building. It's enormous for a small town of 1,800 people. And you have to understand, when I say 1,800 people, the nearest hospital is 30 miles. The nearest traffic light is 30 miles. The nearest Walmart ladies is 30 miles. And so... <laughs> um, uh, so we are very rural. For this building to be built in Stockton, Missouri, and then come up for sale, it's, it was unheard of. And so what it originally was was a senior center for um, 
the, the senior center, but they, they, they got into building it and they realized it wasn't going to work, so they stopped building it. This was in 1996. A tornado hit it in 2003. Also hit Agape Boarding School. I was right there. I was kneeling right beside Dr. Joe Boyd. Figured, well, if they're taking Brother Boyd, I'm going with him. But the roof was gone. When we came up, there were skylights. It, it, it's, it was an F4 tornado that went through our town, leveled our town. But that building made it through that tornado. The uh, Assembly of Gods bought it, and they put Oasis Homes in it, which was for battered women. And they finished it out beautifully. And they said to build that building today would be over $2 million. And we bought it for pennies on the dollar because their, their ministry didn't work out. They weren't being able to support it. And they ended up just almost, you know, giving it away for a fourth of the price. And it's beautiful. It's got a big open auditorium like this. Two wings left and right. Both, all the dormitories have individual thermostats, bathrooms on the, in, can you imagine, bathroom right there. Individual en suites in each room. There's several classrooms, offices. It became completely furnished. It has a, a industrial kitchen that was completely already all there. We didn't have to do anything, didn't have to buy anything, chairs, beds, everything was there. And the Lord just laid that, and, and that became the idea that now it's going to become a four-year college. And they got excited about it, and they told me, hey, we're going to have a college. And they called me into a meeting, Dr. Moore and, and Pastor Clemenson, and said, hey, this August 28th, we're going to open up the doors, and we're going to have students here. This was two and a half months ago. <laughs> and they said, you need to have a handbook, you need to have a college uh, catalog, you need to have all that done, get a website up, and by the way, go out and visit churches. And uh, <laughs> so we've been real excited, but we've been real busy. Um, one of the unique things that uh, I wanted to get to this morning, and I forgot, but Brother Hooker reminded me, is that we have a unique opportunity for young people to come and work in the ministry at the boarding school, and the boarding school will pay you to work in the ministry, which will cover your college tuition. So in essence, and you'll have a little money left over. Brother Josh worked there for many years and was a faithful worker there. And so it was an exciting opportunity for a young man to work in the ministry, work with young people, and go to Bible college while he gets his degree. That's an, a unique situation. Not only that, we have opened up uh, Dr. Our Brother Rob Hicks. He's an evangelist that travels around. I don't know how many folks might know him. But he started a welding school. So young men can come and learn welding. We've already put it into our curriculum. I didn't tell you that this morning. For missionaries, that's actually in their curriculum. They're going to have to go through carpentry, automotive, and welding. So when they go out to other places like Africa, and they'll have those skills and, and be able to do those things while they're there in other places, and not only that, a lot of pastors today have to be bivocational. So we have a lot of great opportunities there at the boarding school. The other thing is we have phenomenal facilities for a small church. And uh, Brother Hopper was talking to me. Our church, besides the staff and the boarding school, might be 75, 80 folks that come to our church from the town. But for a church that size, we have great facilities because of the boarding school. We have two gymnasiums. Two full-size gymnasiums. We have a 30 by 60 swimming pool. We have 100 head of horses. We have 200 cattle. We have a camel on the grounds. Just, just I have no idea why, but there's a camel. It's like, there's our camel. And, um, but we're, we have a great facility for young people to come and learn other skills. And we hope one day to open up a, a, a vocational skill for ferrying 
taking care of horses, and also for automotive. We have a complete automotive shop. We haven't gotten through all the paperwork there. It's a lot of paperwork to get those vocational schools going. So we're excited. Now, I won't preach long, I promise, and I'll be done before 7 o'clock, but I, I always like to do this when I get an opportunity because a lot of folks have questions. So does anybody have any questions about this ministry and this church and, the, and this college, what's going on? Did I, do, did I remember everything? Abby always reminds me of something I forget. What did I forget? She did it with us. She was awesome. That's why, she, you know, she's in my top three favorite. <laughs> top three. All right. No questions. Okay, take your Bibles over to Romans chapter 6. Uh, we're excited about this evening. Um, can I move this? Is it wrong to move this out of the way? Okay. Because with my big nose, it might just push right into it, and that would be bad. Uh, Romans chapter 6. I want to talk to you this evening. I was, uh, Brother Hooker said I might get an opportunity. He wasn't sure. He was praying about it. And so I was excited when he said, yeah, you're going to preach tonight. And we had been praying about uh, a message. But God's toolbox. And I think so often in a church, we as a group of believers that God has put together don't always use the tools that God has given us. And I want to talk about that tonight as a church. Um, I just want to look over what the Bible says about this and these gifts that God has given each individual in this room. And I think we as a church, and, and I'm not part of this church, but the body of Christ, but we in this church can do some exciting things. But we've got to come out of ourselves and use our tools. Um, when I, and I'll get to the, the text here in a second, but when I think of my dad, uh, my dad was a very very organized person i mean extremely organized his he didn't have a toolbox he had a, a workshop and when you borrowed one of his tools he knew because he had one of those pegboards and he would outline each tool each screwdriver each size wrench was outlined so he knew it was missing and which one was missing uh, he is just hyper organized i remember when he retired my mom said you've got to find something for him to do he gets up in the middle of the night and turns the ceiling fan so it points a certain direction. It has to point to the end of the bed because it's just it bothers him if it doesn't point that way. It's just that I am not that way. My wife taught me what a laundry basket was after we got married. Um, I take after my mom, not my dad. But, <laughs> the, uh, uh, but he is that way. But he knew how to use those tools. But what good is a tool if it never comes out of that room and gets a use? And that's what we want to talk about tonight. Let's look in Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter uh, 6, and in verse, I'm sorry, I said Romans chapter 6. I'm at Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says this. And back when we worked together, I didn't need these, but now I do. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showed mercy, cheerfulness, let love be without dismilitation, uh, I told you I was nervous. <laughs> Dismutation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. And let's have a word of prayer. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for this evening, Lord, and thank you for this church and the friendliness and the openness. But Lord, help us to learn something from your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we look in that first verse, it talks about the word prophecy. Now, I am not a Greek scholar by any means, but there are different words. And, you know, Noah Webster sat down and wrote the 1828 Dictionary to help us understand the Bible. What a great book. And he wrote those definitions. But if you look under that word, there's sometimes there's more than one definition. Well, Noah Webster was a lot smarter than I was. So when I see more than one definition, I think, you know what, there's probably more than one Greek word there. And so I go to my Strong's and I look up, and the word uh, here is, is prof, not, propheta. And the other word that we're going to look at in Corinthians is prophoto. And I know that was mispronounced and it was horrible. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can tell you this. When we, when we look at the Bible, we need to know what it's saying to us. Amen? And we need to know which word means what. So now we look at this word prophecy here. It's so important. Um, the Strong's definition wrote this, the gift of communicating or enfor enforcing revealed truth. And the key word there is revealed truth. The, the gift of prophecy has now gone away. We don't, no longer need that. And we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, we say, Charity never faileth, but where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, they vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, and by the way, that which is perfect is come, the Bible has come, then that which is put, put away, or I'm sorry, then that which is part shall be done away. Now, as we look at those two words, we're not talking about prophecy in the sense that we're foretelling the future anymore. We're looking at this word and saying, there's a prophecy, somebody that's going to be able to take the word of God and explain it to people like me that don't understand very much. Amen? And he's, I'm not trying to say he's a prophet like Elijah was a prophet, but there's, he has the gift of prophecy. He has the gift of preaching. And he teaches us the Bible. Amen? What a great sermon this morning. And how that can apply to our lives and how we need to stand up for the things that we don't stand for anymore in this society. Amen? But we need to have those. You know, he may not be the only person in this room that has that gift. If God has given you the ability to preach, then you need to use that. Amen? You go through your pastor and you say, hey, preacher, I, you know, I've, God's called me to preach and I want to preach. And he'll find you opportunities and you'll maybe preach in junior church. You'll maybe preach out on a street corner. I don't know. But I know this. If you have the gift of, of preaching, you need to use it. Amen? If God's called you to preach, then you need to preach. Now, we need to look. Wow, that really gets low when I put my, you'd think my double chin would cover that, but it doesn't. Anyways, the jokes get worse if you don't laugh. So just keep laughing. Just keep laughing. All right. Now, as we look on, it says in verse 7 in chapter 12, our, our ministry, let us wait on, I'm sorry, let us wait on ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. Now look, we need to have the gift of ministry. It's an, I wrote this down, another essential tool needed to support the needs of God's people in the gift of meeting their needs in ministering to others. You know, what is Christianity about? It's being Christ-like, right? 
That's what Christian means, right? And what did Christ come to do? To seek and to save that which was lost. Christ came to minister onto those here on this earth. Christ came to help. Boy, some of us have the gift of ministering. We see things and we notice things. You know, it's an important opportunity where we minister on to others. Maybe it's going to the nursing home. You know, some people have a gift for going in there and making folks that have been forgotten about remembered. Amen? I sat down the other day with a, a, a Brother Weedo's secretary. She's 85 years old. What a sweet lady. I love hearing the, the she started telling the stories about the oleo packets during the World War II. Now, I don't know if anybody's in here old enough to remember that. Um, but, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was just asking. But they had, instead of butter, they didn't get to have butter. Butter was used for the war effort. I don't know how butter's used for the war effort, but it was. And they got oleo, which is margarine today. But the way they had to mix it, and she said it was just so much fun. You got the thing and you push. But she was telling, you know, that's a wonderful time for me to minister on to her. But she was ministering on to me. I love hearing about how life was at different times. She said, I can remember hooch, uh, hooking up the, the wagon and being taken to church one time on a horse and buggy. Now, that didn't happen when I was a kid, you know. When I was a kid, my brother pushed me out in front of cars. I mean, I, no. no, I'm just kidding. That, was, that wasn't the truth. And um, now, let's move on. I don't want to take it where time is fleeting and I want to go on. Now, so, by the way, get involved. If you have the gift of ministering, get involved. By the way, who doesn't have the gift of ministering? We can all minister unto someone. Amen? Now, look at this. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Boy, some people are just talented teacher. I remember when I was in high school, a guy named uh, Mr. Shalingo was my physics teacher. And I love physics today. But I can remember opening day in class, I was not excited about physics. I was not excited about learning all those formulas and centripetal force and centrifugal force and this is an imaginary force and centrifugal force isn't real even though I was taught it was real. It's really centripetal force and the centrifugal force was the second law of thermodynamics and an object. What? I wasn't excited about that. And then he said, you know, these two objects will hit. Well, well, he had to get us involved and get excited. So you know what he did to us high school boys who didn't want to take his class? He said, okay. I'm old enough to remember this. There weren't airbags on cars back in the 80s. And so he said, if we took two cars and we hit them head on, would the steering column impale your chest? I know that's gross, but he got us excited about it. <laughs> and we wanted to learn the physics, how much the chest cavity could hold. And we learned all that. Well, he was a great teacher. And he took and made science fun for us. And I was excited about that. You know, I sat in Brother Hopper's church, or church, uh, it was church this morning. It was Sunday school this morning. Man, what a great gift he has of teaching. Amen? I, I have been in many Sunday school classes. I teach Sunday school class to our adults. I've never seen anybody with that much put onto the board. And I thought, oh boy, he's got all this written out here. And I remember teachers that used to write everything out in Bible college snoozer, you know, you're just, you're just ready, you know, nothing against Brother Pins, but I'm just saying, and, um, but 
That's not the way Brother Hopper taught. And he made it applicable to your life. It was exciting. I love that class. I thought, man, this guy can teach. If you have the gift of teaching, use it. And some people can teach kindergarten. My wife is a great teacher. She can teach little kids. I, I like little kids. <laughs> They're cute. I'm not teaching little kids. <laughs> some people have that gift, amen? You, if you have that gift, you need to use it. Don't just fill a pew. This is a ministry in a church. Amen? Now, let's move on. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. Now look, we're independent fundamental Baptists. And we believe in the Bible and we believe in the commandments that God has given us. There's no doubt about it. And we, we learned on that this morning. But you know, there are people that come along in your life that just need, hey, how are you doing? been praying for you I've been caring for you I've been wondering about the and by the way you better be doing that if you're saying it because you know there's a lot of people that just say it but then there are people that walk up to you and they start asking specific questions because last week when you asked how are you doing and you know that's the the question they tell you never to ask because somebody will tell you how they are but that person who has that gift of exhortation listens remembers, prays about it, and when they come back and ask you about it, they're asking you specific questions about that situation because they care. And they want to lift you up. Boy, we ought to care about each other, amen? This world doesn't care. But we as a church ought to care. And we ought to have the gift. By the way, once again, this is a gift everyone should have. This is a gift that every one of us ought to think about and pray for each other, and exhort one another, and lift each other up. Amen? There's enough getting trampled under. It's said of the Christian army, we're the only ones that shoot our wounded. That ought not to be. We ought to be the ones lifting up, preparing, helping. Those doors are open for a reason. All right. I've meddled enough. I'll move on. Now, look in verse uh, 8. And we'll move down just a little bit from exhortation. And it says, he that giveth, let him do with simplicity. And he that ruleth, let me stop there on giving. Some have been given finances that they should be able to give. And I'm not just, you know, look, we all have to tithe. Then there's those that give beyond. And we, we, we look at this verse and we always say, it's money. And by the way, it's important to give money. I'm sure... You know, these lights don't turn on, that air conditioning, this room is beautifully air conditioned. I, as a fat person, love air conditioning. Because I, you know, I just walk outside in Mississippi and I love air conditioning. And you have to give financially and give on. But you don't do it so everyone else, in simplicity, you don't let everybody else know you're giving. You just give. The right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. But it's not just talking about finances. It's talking about giving. Give. Brother Howells teaches that book, Blue Denim and Lace, teaches that book. He re, that book, Blue Denim and Lace. Time is the only thing you truly have, right? Well, we ought to give our time. We ought to give our time to God. Give our time to Him in prayer. Give our time to Him in service. Give our time to Him in ministry. Give our time to Him in exhortation. We need to give God. And by the way, when we give, it's not to get the pat on the back. 
Let God take care of that. He'll pat you on the back better than you ever could pat yourself. I can't even reach back there anymore. It's not even possible. But don't look for the pat on the back. Look for giving and helping and loving. Boy, isn't that what's going to cause a church to grow? A church can grow numerically, and a church can grow spiritually. And I promise you this, if a church grows spiritually, it will grow numerically. Because people say, oh, they're genuine. They're real, and they love. Because they're becoming what? Christians, Christ-like. And that's what we're talking about this evening. Let's move on. And he, uh, and he that, oh, I'm sorry. Let me get to the right spot. Let him that do it with simplicity, and he that ruleth with diligence. Well, there's some people that have the gift of ruling. You know, there's executives. There are people that have that ability that God has given them that they are great delegators. The problem is we all want to rule. The problem is we all want to be the boss. Well, that can't happen. But let's talk about this boss section because he said for, with diligence. And that's so key. When we break down our Bible and we read it, those, every word is important. We heard that this morning. Every word is important. You know what Jesus said was the greatest of all? The servant. And when you're the ruler, you know what that really means? And I, I'm sorry, Pastor, but that means he's your servant. He, the guy that's in charge is really the servant. It's the opposite of the way the world thinks. It's the opposite of the way CEOs are laid out. It's the exact opposite. God said the greatest of all is the servant. Remember the widow woman with the two mites? She gave the most because she gave of her need. Boy, when we desire ruling, we don't rule with tyranny, but we rule with diligence because we want to serve others. That's what it means here. Now, so we desire the, the, the gift of ruling. Now, let's look on. And I've got just a few minutes and I'll be done. <clears throat> and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Boy, mercy. Mercy what? Unmerited grace. Everyone in this room has been wronged. Every one of us. Every one of us can sit there and paint a story legitimately without lying and tell me of something that's not been fair in your life. It just happens. Life isn't fair, my dad used to tell me. And it's not. Mercy is saying, I forgive you. I know you did it wrong, but I forgive you. And by the way, it's unmerited. It's, un, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way to say, you know what, I forgive you, and I don't remember it, and I'm not going to hold that account to you. I am going to just move on. Boy, we have to have a church that has mercy. Jude Verse 22, and some having compassion, making a difference. Mercy is looking at people and saying, I want to make a difference in their life. Don't we want to make a difference? Why are we here? 
We are here to be Christians. 2,000 years later, the most, you can Google search it if you'd like, the most famous person, the most notable person to ever exist on this planet is Jesus Christ. His ministry lasted three years. Three years of showing mercy and serving and loving and exhorting. You want to have an impact upon this planet before your vapor fadeth away? You've got to become Christ-like. You know, those bus kids come through and they dirty the place and they, you know, the, 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 the bathrooms aren't as clean as they once were and, and, the, and all the things that happen with bringing children into a church. I'm glad somebody had the mercy to say something to me. I'm glad Dwight Holquist came out and won me to Christ, showed me about Jesus. Well, we've got to go to those that, you know, preacher, why do we go out door knocking? All, they, nobody, you know, because we want to show mercy. Mercy is soul winning. Mercy is going out and saying, look, there's a better way to live. And there's a Christ that can live in you. And you can have a better life here on this earth, but you're going to have eternal life in heaven. Boy, we need to show that mercy. Amen? Let me finish up here and we'll, and, and we'll be done. As we look at this with this mercy, we need to have cheerfulness. You know, one thing about meekness, meekness, and you've heard this many times for the definition, meekness isn't thinking lowly of yourself. Meekness isn't thinking... Meekness, not, meekness is not thinking of yourself. You know, we have to have a cheerful heart. We're not worried about what's happening to us. We're worried about what's happening to others. We have a desire to reach and help other people. You know, I work at that boarding school with those young men. And for many years, and Brother Hooker's been there, he can tell you, I have been cussed better than any sailor has ever cussed anybody in their life. I have young, had young men punch me in the nose. I've had young men try to stab me with a fork. I've had all sorts of things happen over the, 20, the 18 years we've been there. But you know what? Those same guys that did that call me back. We have long conversations about what's going on in their lives. Why? Because they were just angry young men. They weren't angry at me. And so I've got to learn to forgive them, move on, and minister to them and let them know that the love of Christ can cover all those things. You know what? We as a church, there's probably somebody in a crowd this size, there's somebody in here that you don't like as well as you. You know what? Get over it. Have a cheerful heart. Love them. Heap coals of kindness upon their head. Love God. Boy, we've got to take these gifts that God has given us, these tools, in our little toolbox and use them. Now how many of you tonight, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand, what I'm asking you to do is think inside our head and answer our own question. As I was going through that list of tools, you said, you know what, I can do that. Boy, I used to do that, but I don't do it anymore. I used to drive the bus, or I used to teach in Sunday school class, or I used to give to missions, or I used to, whatever it was. Why don't we get those tools out again? Because you know what happens to a tool when it's just left outside? It just rusts and becomes useless. But boy, you get a little oil on there, and you can get that thing back working again. 
And you can start using that tool, and before you know it, you're walking with God. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for 